She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Watch. An X-Files podcast, season four. Episode six. Sanguinarium. This episode is a Monster of the Week episode and originally aired on Sunday, November 10th, 1996 at 9 p.m. In it, after a death in a cosmetic surgery suite, the surgeon claims he was possessed. Scully thinks it was lack of sleep and prescription pills that caused the incident, but when Mulder finds evidence of a pentagram in the surgical room, he thinks there might be witchcraft involved. This episode was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and was written by Valerie Mayhew and Vivian Mayhew and directed by Kim Manners. So the episode opens and we see some weird patterns. And then we learn that they are surgical lines drawn on a patient's stomach. And Nurse Wade is looking at them and then pulls down the patient's shirt. She tells the patient that the tranquilizer should start to take effect soon. And then she'll be given an anesthetic before the procedure. And then the nurse rolls her into the surgical suite. So Waite finds the surgeon, Dr. Lloyd, and he's scrubbing his hands. And she tells him the liposuction patient is prepped and ready. And he has two other procedures this morning, including a scalp reduction. He asks if all the patients are prepped and she's taken a little aback by this. And he says he wants to move right along this morning. So she leaves. And then we see that he is scrubbing his fingers so hard that they are bleeding. So, yeah, just coming off all of them fingers. So. In a surgical suite, we see Lloyd pull on some gloves, and you can tell that there is blood inside the gloves on his hands. So he makes an incision in the patient's abdomen, and then he uses the liposuction tool, which is basically just a big old stainless steel vacuum cleaner, essentially, and starts sucking the fat out of the person's stomach, like, you know, working it, and we see the fat traveling up the tube into the container. Mm Mm-hmm. But then we see Wait, and she's with the liposuction patient who is concerned that her tranquilizer is starting to wear off. Wait doesn't know where Dr. Lloyd is. Meanwhile, we see Dr. Lloyd working, working, working on this patient, and we pan, and we see the patient he's working on has marks on his scalp where he was meant to be operated on. And then Lloyd's just like going, 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 and then blood starts flowing into the container that has the fat. Mm-hmm. Wait goes to the surgeon and sees him on the monitor above the door of the surgical suite and she opens the door and he's standing over the patient and he's covered in blood and he pulls down his mask and he says I think this patient is finished and then it's the theme song mm-hmm. and I was like yeah no shit they're finished dude she's <laughs> fucking killed him man yeah this teaser like just oh I was just yeah, oh, there, there's a lot of points where I was just like like, I mean, even just like when he's like scrubbing his hands and he's bleeding, you're like, oh man, that surgery's not going to go well. So uh-uh. yeah, you're right. So yeah. 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 It's a lot of like. I mean, just... even if he had been doing the correct patient, that patient would still be dead. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Because yeah. yeah, you know, he was way, way too aggressive and not. Yeah. He was basically like sucking like fat out of their spine by the time he was good. He was just jamming that thing in there. Yeah. So. <sighs> <laughs> yeah it's gross 
Dr. Lloyd is played by John Giuliani, whose IMDb photo is actually just from this episode because he has not done a whole lot. So this is one thing that he's really known for, although he will play someone named Mr. Plunkett in two episodes of Millennium. Okay. So Dr. Lloyd is sitting with Mulder and Scully and he asks, what else do you call it when you're in your body, but out of it at the same time, unable to stop yourself from doing what I did to that poor man? And Mulder suggests it might be like some kind of spirit or demonic possession. He tells Lloyd these kinds of mental states are well documented, but don't often hold up in court. And we see there's a lawyer sitting in the room and he reiterates that he's advised his client against speaking with them. And he'd appreciate it if they direct any legal discussion to him. So like Mulder, stop trying to give this guy legal advice. Not that Mulder really is, but... Yeah, He does that lawyer thing where he basically refers to himself as a third person because he's like, you should direct any legal discussion to counsel, but he means himself. Yeah, exactly. Scully asks Lloyd if he's taking any medication. And Lloyd says he takes the occasional sleeping pill and a prescription antacid for his stomach. And Scully asks if she can check the dosage. And Lloyd sort of hedges and asks why. And the lawyer says he thinks they've gotten a clear picture of his client's story. So Mulder agrees and stands. Scully asks Lloyd how much he slept the night before the incident. Lloyd looks over at his lawyer, who shakes his head, and then Lloyd is just like, I can't recall. So, very helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Then we get a screen legend that says Greenwood Memorial Hospital. And as they exit an elevator, Scully tells Mulder that Lloyd was taking something called Somonil. It's popular because it works directly on the central nervous system and isn't stored in the body tissue but it's controversial for its addictiveness and effect on long-term behavior. Mulder asked the date of Lloyd's prescription and Scully says he started taking it five years ago and has had over 19 refills of a hundred tablet bottles. Mulder actually like a nurse walks by and he kind of checks out the nurse. So (laughs) there you go. Mulder being Mulder. And then they enter the crime scene. Scully continues saying that that's more than a pill a day. So like that's, way too many sleeping pills to be taking 380 per year technically yes yeah and Mulder's like an addiction in other words which Scully says might have interfered with his ability to do his job Mulder asks how many of these procedures Lloyd had performed Scully says judging by his schedule on the day of the accident hundreds probably thousands and Mulder notes that he hasn't had one fatality up until now Scully thinks he's missing the point The cosmetic surgery wing is a veritable factory, and with the current boom in popularity, it can support an entire hospital. Yeah, we trimmed it down a bit here, but I honestly don't know what her point is, aside from being like exposition and like social commentary. Because, I mean, we know Scully can be kind of judgy sometimes. I'm guessing she's not a fan of cosmetic surgery because it's not real medicine. That's basically the point is being made here. Is that? Yeah. That point of view. And I think it is just a lot of social commentary given. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what this episode is. Yeah, which... this, yeah, this whole episode is basically that kind of, yeah, it is. We'll talk about it at the end, but I think the writers came yeah. in and I don't, I don't think they wrote Mulder or Scully particularly well. So, no. yeah. Mulder sees five marks on the floor of the surgical suite and asks what they are. Scully thinks maybe they're from some kind of coasters or equipment. She doesn't really know, but Mulder thinks they look burned or scorched. So he uses a tongue depressor to draw in the blood on the floor. I I hope forensics is already coming on. I'm I'm guessing they have. And he makes the shape of a pentagram. 
Scully tells him if he wants to connect the dots, he should consider the obvious. Deaths due to doctor error are upwards of 80,000 a year. Lloyd was pushing his limits. He was an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, it's not a very well-made pentagram. It's kind of like lopsided. It's not balanced mm-hmm. perfect, as we say. And then I do like that they made Scully pause when she's like, like oh, maybe for she's like, um, maybe it's from equipment. Cause like we've talked about before, like how she's just she'll come up with excuses, even though she doesn't have to believe them. But as you mentioned earlier, I do already agree with something that we are definitely gonna discuss at the end of this episode, which is that yeah, they are not written so great. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's fine to be like, I mean, I probably would say something similar, like maybe it's from some kind of equipment. Maybe they put something here yeah. and it made. Well, I don't think I, well, I don't think that part is part of the writing thing. I just, I like that. So I'm kind of mashing two. Oh, gotcha. Together. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I like that they did that because she kind of does that thing a lot where she's just like looking for explanations that don't match Mulder's, you know, paranormal <laughs> ones. And yes. so this one, she's like, well, maybe. Um, and then she even like pulls her hair back behind her ear because she's like trying to think of something. So I thought that was good because like she's you can tell she's just trying to make something up that's not yeah. paranormal. But then also I do think that they are written as yeah, like I said, yeah. That might have been so. Kim Manners directing, to be honest. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> maybe, or yeah. <laughs> it might maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm not giving the writers yeah. enough credit. But yeah, either yeah. way. Uh, or maybe, I mean, uh I am on the record as saying I don't think Jillian Anderson is that great of an actress, but it, it could have been her too. She may have decided like maybe that was something that Scully would do. So yeah, maybe we don't she know. she absolutely could have been like, hey, Scully is saying something kind of silly here, so let me at least figure out why she would say it and how she would say it. Yeah, yeah. So in response to Scully saying that Lloyd was pushing himself to his limits, Mulder's like, well, you have to push pretty hard to mistake a beer belly for a bald head. And then they walk out and Mulder looks at the monitors above all the rooms across the hall. And he's like, it's amazing. No one saw him and stopped him because every room has like a monitor above it. So you can see mm-hmm. what's going on in the room. And Scully quips that maybe they are all possessed. And Mulder says he doesn't think it's a simple possession. It's more like sorcery or black magic. He also points out that the room is door number three, which I don't know if that was supposed to be a black magic reference or like a Monty Hall reference. Yeah, like, I think it was the supposed point to be of knocking on it, but I don't know. So I thought it was sort of like let's look behind door number three. Like I thought it was meant to be more of a Monty Hall type reference than okay, a, yeah, than a magic was, thing. I, yeah, I wasn't sure because be he's talking about magic stuff, and then he's like, and it's door number three, and I was like, uh, okay, but yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm bad wizard, so I don't know. Maybe three is important. <laughs> well, that's you know, you should study harder. I need to at wizarding. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do know a couple of things that Mulder doesn't know, and we'll get to those later. Oh, anyway, fine. yeah. A nurse comes out from a door under one of the monitors, and Mulder asks what kind of procedure is being done in there. And she actually comes out of door number five. She tells him that it's a rhinoplasty and then asks who they are. Scully says they're FBI investigating the patient's death and notes from her name tag, wait, that she was the attending nurse at the time. Scully asks if she can explain what happened, and Wait just kind of shakes her head. She she actually has trouble making eye contact at first. She does better towards the end, but at first she really doesn't want to make eye contact with Scully. Mm-hmm. She says no, and that she wasn't in the OR at the time. She prepped the patient and did her job. Mulder asks if she's aware Lloyd is claiming he was possessed at the time. She kind of smiles slightly and says she guesses it's cheaper than malpractice insurance. So a surgeon comes out of the same room and gives wait instructions on what to give the patient telling her she needs to keep up the surgeon is dr shannon and scully asks if they can have a word with her 
She says she has a patient who can't wait and then goes into another room across the hall. Scully looks up at the monitor over the door and says, there's magic going on in there, Mulder. Only it's being done with silicone, collagen, and a well-placed scalpel. So yeah, Scully is not a fan of cosmetic surgery. No. I mean, I'm, I'm not super like anti-cosmetic surgery, but I also no, I mean, like, I'm, meh, I don't have, either, but yeah. I'm not exactly a big fan of it either, but I'm also, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, there are other things you could probably spend your money on that would help society, but yeah, anyway. Dr. Shannon is played by Arlene Mazarol. She played a waitress in the movie Cocktail. She also appeared on episodes of Goosebumps and Monk. And she was in the 2013 version of Carrie. So hmm. She's been in horror stuff after this, too. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The 2013 version of Carrie needs to exist because they already made it. Whatever. <laughs> uh, they remake everything 20 times. It's just how yeah, it is now. It's annoying. And almost none of them are as good as the original. But anyway. A group of people sit around a wooden table that has a pentagram formed by the wood panels in the table. <gasps> oh. And a man, Dr. Kaplan, warns that any impropriety will only deepen the FBI's investigation on top of Lloyd's insurance investigation. Another man, Dr. Alakwa, says Lloyd made them a target. Dr. Shannon says the last thing they need is to be caught in an expose. Another doctor is like, and people already complain about how much these procedures cost. It just makes us look greedy and guilty. And Kaplan says if they give any credence to Lloyd's story, they'll be burned at the stake. Ooh. Shannon asks about the other personnel, saying the FBI was talking to a nurse. And another doctor, Dr. Franklin, says she can't tell them anything because she doesn't know anything. Mm-hmm. Mm. This seems like a suspicious. Yeah, I got some very strong Diane Diverlitz vibes mm-hmm. from this. Yeah. Yeah. It's very it's like similar Diverlitz to at a hospital instead of a school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So speaking of nurse weight, she's with a patient who says she's having a skin peel, but she can't feel her feet. And weight assures her that it's okay. Her feet are still there. And the patient says she's afraid to go under. What if she doesn't wake up? And Wait tells her not to worry. She should relax and think about her beautiful new face. And we see that she's pulling leeches off the patient's belly. Mm -hmm. And there are five of them arranged like the points of a star of a pentagram. And Wait tells her, you're in good hands. I'm going to protect you. Mm, So maybe Wait is a good witch fighting the battle against satanic doctors maybe yeah maybe also this will come up later but you would never be put under for a skin peel i I don't even know what a skin peel is it's where it's basically like where they take the the outer layer of your skin off to okay your skin so it kind of heals up and you have like yeah i probably need that my face is so my skin's so messed up my face is red my mom had that once because my mom had really bad acne scars when she was young and so Mm -hmm. that kind of like it helps to smooth out the skin kind of stuff gotcha yeah so it can, it can be for age stuff. It can also just be like, it, that's something that's commonly happened with people who have like really bad acne scars. They'll use it on their face because it helps to, I mean, you walk around with your face looking like hell for a long time because it's all raw looking, but it does, you know. because It heals it, eventually, it yeah. yeah. So, But you have to do it like many, many times because you can't just do it once, right? Because you'd, you'd have to take too many layers of skin off. So it has to be right. like a repetitive procedure to have any effect, so. So then Mulder is in his motel room and Scully knocks and she says, you wanted to show me something? So he lets her in and he has a videotape that he puts in the VCR. And he says the video shows the marks delineating the pentagram were in place prior to the patient's death. 
And then on the video, we see Lloyd aggressively sucking fat from the patient, like we saw in the opening. And Scully asks him to stop the tape for a second and says Lloyd practically stabbed the man to death in his sleep. Mulder says that only underscores the strangeness of the case. Acting under his own volition, Lloyd would never do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not just that he did it to the wrong patient. It's like we discussed. He was basically like just jamming that thing in there. Yeah, he was being so. way too aggressive for the procedure. So, yeah. Yeah. Mulder points out that Lloyd is standing on the marks. And Scully asks who would have put them there. Mulder says pentagrams are meant to be signs of protection or a way to control elemental forces. Scully says that doesn't even make sense. And besides, there's no other evidence of witchcraft. Mulder hands her a book and has her look up the antacid Lloyd's been taking. Turns out that it contains belladonna, which is known as witch's berry, which Mulder says is an herb used in hexing rituals. Because it's called witch's berry. So what else would it be used for? <laughs> yeah. Scully asks if he knows how many pharmaceuticals contain belladonna. And he says just one, the one Lloyd was taking. And Scully says, if it's that simple, why not put out an APB for someone riding a broom and wearing a tall black hat? Mulder smiles and he says, you jest, but there's a good chance that this hex or ritual or whatever may not be finished. Yeah. Like, I mean, if that pentagram was for protection, it obviously failed. I mean, maybe because it wasn't drawn that great. Who knows? Anyway. Also, this scene is weird because Scully is like, she posits the question and implies Belladonna is in lots of drugs. And then Mulder's reply, if correct, we don't know, right? We don't know if he looked up every drug. We don't know. But he says just one, which means that she is either wrong or she was trying to steamroll him, if it's correct. And then her response to him assumes that it was correct because she just kind of does like, well, yeah, but kind of answer, which implies that she accepts his response as true. So it's just really weird. I don't, I think it goes more into, the, the writing stuff because I don't know yeah on, but as it's shown it sounds like Scully is trying to just like steamroll him like you know how many does Belladonna and he comes up with like yeah I do only one and she's like well okay but if it's that simple it's it's a very weird scene I don't know what's going on yeah so. it's really written although I didn't take it that way I did take it that she was asking do you know how many and he when he says just one he's saying he only knows of that one so that's yeah, how see, I, but I didn't, took but it. But the way he says it, he's like, just one, the one he was right. taking. So I don't but think. But that's the only one I know of. She asked, do you know how many? That's not, he says, just that's one. That's not the implication. That's not like, I only know. Because I, I get what you're saying. He would be saying like, this one does, and that's all that matters. Yeah, that's what but I took as, away from it. As he gives a line, that's not the implication I get. I okay. get that he's saying only one yeah. does. That's so, fair. Because, that's not because what I got. Actually, I got the other because thing. Because he, so. he throws the book to her and has her read it, which implies that he's already gone through it. He knows what's in it. Yeah, that's like possible. Because it's not like he's saying like, oh, please tell me how many. He's like, here, read this book. Read it to me. So he's having her do that like as a performance to read it out loud so that he can say something to it. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, I think it's just it's it's written weird. Yeah, like, I don't think it's written well. Yeah. I agree with you there. I just, I took it the other way. So I don't know. The characterizations but are weird. Either way. Stuff. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. And then it doesn't really matter because <laughs> either way, whether or not that's the only drug, it's still just, yeah, the characterization is weird. It's just very like, the whole, his conclusions are weird too. Like he jumps to conclusions very quickly. Yeah, he which Mulder right does. Down. But Mulder yeah, usually episode, has yeah, no. some Mulder usually no, has some build up scene, or some like, like build up be before possession or witchcraft. Yeah. So and the doctor sounds almost like he's going like the out of body experience stuff. And Mulder's like, oh, witchcraft. 
Yeah, I feel like he jumps to that pretty quickly. So anyway, yeah. 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 So then we see Dr. Shannon and she walks into a prep room and Dr. Alakwa is at the sink scrubbing his hands. Fortunately, he's not scrubbing them bloody. That's nice. And she says the FBI seemed to have backed off and asked him if he's done for the day. And he says yes. And then she tells him that she has a laser peel and then she's out of here. They're going to get through this. All they have to do is keep their heads on straight. Then Wait comes in and tells Shannon her patient is prepped and asked if she needs anything else. Wait asks Alakwa if he needs anything. And he's sweaty and has a strange expression. And he's like, no, thank you. And then she leaves and then he leaves. And so then Wait and Shannon are walking to operating room two, but the door is locked. And they're like, what's going on? And they look up at the monitor and the skin pill patient is on the table and her shirt is pulled up and you can see the leech marks and a lock was beside her. And Shannon is like, what the hell is he doing with her patient? And in the OR, he has the laser and he's pointing it at the patient's cheek. And you can see that it's like burning into her cheek. And from outside, Shannon is like shouting from open door and banging on it. And then wait, runs down the hall. And then meanwhile, we cut back in the room. And Alakwa's laser is now like going completely through the patient's face, like it's coming out the other side, which mm-hmm. is probably not good. So. And it's commercial. Uh, yeah, it doesn't bode well. No. I don't know if they use lasers for skin peels, but anyway. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe he's not using the right equipment, possibly. That's entirely possible, too. Oh, she does say laser peel, I think. So maybe that's a thing. I don't, I don't. Uh, I know. Maybe, oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I know I that seems weird. nothing about any of this, so I don't. Have yeah, any I mean, like, I mean, they use lasers for tattoo removal, and then for other surgeries too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Nope, I'm not a doctor, surgeon. Don't know much about plastic surgery. Just a so. podcast commentator who argues <laughs> with my co-host about scene interpretations. So well, that's kind of what <laughs> we're here to do, though, right? We're here to be like, no, I interpreted it this way. Either way, the writing is not good, so it doesn't matter yeah. that much, but yeah. So we come back and Scully is shining a light in Alakwa's eyes and asking if he remembers anything, like how he got into the room or why he would do such a thing. And Alakwa says, no, I was on my way home. She asks if he realizes what he's done now, and he says yes. Scully notices he has a prescription bottle in his shirt pocket. So she looks at it, and then she tells the guard in the corner that she'll be right back. Meanwhile, Mulder is playing with computer software, and he's adjusting a nose based on like rhinoplasty specifications. So he's kind of like playing around with it, seeing how it looks. And Scully walks in. And he asks if she examined the victim, and Scully says, just Dr. Alakwa, why? He shows her the tape of the victim and the bruises marks on her stomach. Scully says she found something, too, and she hands him the pill bottle. Mulder says it's the same prescription that Lloyd was taking. Scully asks if he thinks it's just a coincidence. Mulder gives her a look that basically says, no, he doesn't think that's a coincidence. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's witchcraft. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> Scully still thinks it's just these guys are on drugs screwing them up, which would probably be my theory too, but gonna find out Mulder's not wrong. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Spoiler. So Shannon and the others are at the round table again, and Shannon is saying that any change in scheduling or workload might give an appearance of covering guilt 
And then Mulder and Scully burst into the room and Scully apologizes saying it's a matter of urgency. Dr. Franklin introduces himself and asks him to sit down. Mulder says it appears they've interrupted a gathering. And one of the doctors is like, a gathering? <laughs> he realizes the implication. And Franklin asks if he can imagine this group's concern about what's happened and their urgency to resolve this and finally bring the person responsible to justice. And Scully is like, finally. And Franklin tells him that 10 years ago, there were several deaths at the hospital. And like the recent ones, all were ruled accidental. Mulder asks if any of them were there at the time. Franklin says a few were, but more importantly, the nurse Rebecca Waite was. And then six weeks ago, she transferred back into this department. Scully asks if he has any other reasons to suspect her. And Franklin says, well, she's the only person on the ward who had any contact with each of the patients and the doctors involved. Mulder asks if he's spoken with her. And Franklin says she left the hospital early and no one's been able to find her. <gasps> so maybe she isn't a good witch. Maybe she's a rogue black witch and they're good witches. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'm also disappointed that Mulder did not notice there's a big old pentagram in the table. I know but, he's seeing pentagrams and like dots. And yet there's actually yeah. a pentagram on the table and he does not note or say anything about it, which is incredibly yeah. uncharacteristic and weird. Yeah. And also, it would be really good to prove his point. <laughs> be like yeah. Scully. It's a nice sitting table, around though. a table. It's a super sweet table. It is. It is a very nice table. But yeah, yeah. It's got some yeah, very nice paneling on that table. Just happens to form a pentagram. <laughs> and Doctor Franklin is played by Richard Bamer. He was Tony in the nineteen sixty one West Side Story. He also is that played the Benjamin. Movie or the was he on Broadway? Do you know? That's the movie version. That's the movie version. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know, I don't know if he was name. also on Broadway, but yeah. he was in the movie version. Okay. He also played Benjamin Horn on Twin Peaks, and he appeared in six episodes of Murder She Wrote. Yeah, and if you grab this from IMDb, they're not going to tell you if he was in the Broadway play. They're just going to tell you he was in the movie. So yeah, sure. A lot yeah. of times, a lot of times, some of those people do transfer over from the Broadway to the movie. Yeah, but, it's yeah. pretty common to have like the original cast do part of the movie if they do a movie adaptation, but it's not necessary. So it could yeah. have gone either way. Okay. Yeah. And then there's a house with stained glass windows near the door and someone is chanting and candles are lit in the living room and we see a woman sitting naked chanting and she drops some hair onto a candle in front of her. And then she cuts off a little bit of her own hair and says more words. And then she drops her own hair onto the flame as well. And we see that the woman is Nurse Waite. So Mulder and Scully pull up to a house and they walk up and there's a cat that meows. Mm -hmm. They're really setting the scene. <laughs> and they knock on the door and there's also a broom prop near the door. And Mulder points to it and he's like, probable cause. <laughs> and Scully dubiously is like on suspicion of being a witch. So he opens the screen door and there's a pentagram on the top corner of the door. They pull out their guns and Mulder kicks the door in. Inside, they find the candle with hair still on the edge and the spell set up is still there and there's candles everywhere. And Scully's like, what was she doing in here? And Mulder says, probably not tax returns. Yeah, we're going to like rag on the writing a lot on this episode for sure. But the whole broom thing was pretty funny. Yeah, that was funny. That, that was, was good. good. Yeah. yeah. So then we were at 1953 Garner Street, Winnecta, Illinois. A car pulls into a driveway, and Dr. Franklin gets out and enters the home, which is rather large. He tries the lights, but the switches don't work. 
So he cautiously makes his way upstairs. And then in the bathroom, there's like a dripping noise. And written on the mirror in blood are the words, Venatus Venatidum. And then the bathtub is filled with red liquid that looks like blood. And there's some of it coming out the tap. Mm-hmm. It's still like kind of like, like trickle running out of the tap. So like someone messed with his pipes. He needs to get those checked. Anyway, he edges towards it and he looks in and then he reaches over to turn off the tap because you don't want to waste blood. And then someone jumps out of the bloody water and they have a dagger and they try to attack him and they throw him against a mirror and it shatters and there's blood just all over the place. He's covered in blood because, I mean, they jumped out of a bloody bathtub. So blood's going to go everywhere. What happens? And then he like he gets up and the person's gone. So he like cautiously heads downstairs and then he picks up the phone and dials 911. But then the attacker who is weight jumps out at him, but then he manages to like, boom, hit her in the head and she gets knocked out. She's unconscious. So he can fight. Yeah. Yeah. He can fight and she yeah. could not fight very well. So whoops. No. Yeah. This might be the house they used in three. Okay. To episode seven. The front door is different, uh-huh. but it has been two years, and maybe whoever owns the house decided that, you know what, having giant stainless steel doors is ridiculous, uh-huh. and we're going to give them normal doors, because the originally it had, like, big old giant stainless steel doors. All the window work is very similar. The interiors look similar. So either it is the same house, and the front door has been changed in the last two years, or it's just one of those things like that style was like super popular in fancy houses in Vancouver at the time. Cause this is the house that like, there was like a hockey player who owned it. So it was like, you know, oh, whatever. Right. Three. Yeah. It's just that one. I went back and watched three and like the interiors and the glasswork are really similar, but the door is definitely different. The front door, it's still double doors, but in three, they're like big giant freaking metal doors for some reason. And in this one, they're just like a light wood. So okay, I think it might be the same house, but I don't know. Yeah, well, it did look familiar, so I would not be surprised. But yes, and then the words on the mirror, "Vanatus Vanitatum," actually translate to "Vanity of Vanities," which comes from Ecclesiastes one two, "Vanity of Vanities," saith the preacher, "Vanity of Vanities, all is vanity," and that is from the King James version. So it's Bible stuff, which you know. You can use some witchcraft, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're doing lots of Bible stuff with our Millennium episodes over on our Patreon. So yeah, there's uh, a lot of Bible stuff yeah. in that show. It's very they keep referencing it. So yeah. So Mulder and Scully arrive at the scene, and they're passing cops who are cuffing Wait and dragging her to a police car. Wait tells Mulder they don't understand. You have to tell them. And Mulder tells the cops he needs to speak to her, but Scully protests. And Waite says that she tried to stop him, but he's too powerful. Someone has to stop. And then her words kind of cut off and she starts like having trouble breathing. Scully calls for paramedics. And then Waite just starts like spitting up pins, like Mm -hmm. needle pins. Like straight pins that you would use for sewing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then blood comes out of her mouth and she falls on the ground. And then the EMTs wheel a stretcher over and Scully tells them she swallowed pins and is bleeding internally. They have to take her to surgery immediately. So they get weight on the stretcher and Scully tells Mulder that she's going to go with her to the ER. So she gets in the ambulance and it drives away. And then Mulder picks up a couple of pins from the ground. Mm-hmm. So, so then we see Dr. Shannon and she's given Dr. Franklin forehead stitches in his bedroom. So I guess she showed up and he says he'd had done it himself if he wasn't still a little shaky. And Shannon says that he's cooler than she'd be if it were her. 
So he was going to be all Rambo and just stitch himself up, but he's got shaky hands. <laughs> so anyway, Franklin says the important thing now is that it's over. And then Mulder comes in and says he came by to see if Franklin was okay. Franklin says he's fine. And Shannon says that that woman broke in here and was waiting for him. Mulder quips that it's nothing plastic surgery won't fix, right? Franklin kind of gives him a little. Mm. And then he <laughs> asks Franklin if he has any idea why she might have attacked him. Franklin's like, well, I voiced suspicion about her. But Mulder points out that Waite wouldn't have known about that. And Shannon says, well, she's obviously quite mad. And Mulder tells them they have reason to believe that Waite is a practitioner of ritual magic, a practicing witch. And Shannon asks Mulder if he's saying that Waite is responsible for doctors Lloyd and Alacqua, that witchcraft made them kill those patients. Mulder says a lot remains to be proven. Franklin says this evening has been a bit much and he needs to get some rest. So <laughs> Shannon looks at Mulder and says they'd all like to get some rest and put this behind them. So she puts on her coat and she leaves and then Mulder follows her and closes the door. And then after they're gone, Franklin lays down on the bed and then he starts levitating and he smiles. Oh, and it's creepy. Creepy, creepy. Yep. I'm starting to suspect that maybe Franklin is not a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just maybe a little bit. So maybe Waite was a good witch. So then it's 3.40 a.m. and Mulder has a book called The Encyclopedia of Witchcraft and Demonology next to his bed. But he's up at the mirror and he's like squeezing his face. He's kind of like. Yeah, he's like doing he like was... the thing like, like he's pulling the skin back like if he was to have plastic surgery or uh-huh. something. Doing all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like he was playing with that software earlier too. So yeah. yeah and he's holding the pencil up to his nose. I did check because I was actually wondering if that was a photograph of his nose, but it's not. No, it's, it's like not. A it's a generic a... nose. Yeah. But, but he was like messing around yeah. with, with the software. But I did double check. So. I read somewhere that it was originally going to be his man parts, but they couldn't oh. show that on TV and they were going to have him like messing around with enlarging that. I don't know if that's true or not, mm. but, and I don't remember where I read it. So that might not be an accurate thing, yeah, it but it could be internet stuff. It could yeah. just be. Yeah. So Scully knocks and comes in and she tells him that Rebecca Waite was pronounced dead 20 minutes ago. Mulder asks the cause of death and Scully tells him it was blood loss due to esophageal hemorrhaging due to the expulsion of hundreds of straight pins. Mulder asks if she's ever seen anything like it. And Scully tells him how in med school, she learned about a disorder called pica, where people crave and eat non-food objects such as rocks, clay, glue. But if she swallowed that many pins, mm-hmm. basically she would have been having problems probably before. Mulder, now holding his encyclopedia, cuts her off and basically says that, like, oh, she would have died long before she yacked them up in the driveway. Mm -hmm. Unless she didn't swallow them, which would fit a phenomenon called allotrophagy. It's the spontaneous vomiting of strange objects. It's usually associated with someone possessed. Scully says she won't dispute weight was practicing the occult, but what comes out must first go in. Mulder says, according to the book, People have coughed up all sorts of things without any explanation. Scully's like, where did you get that book? And he says, Waite's house. Same place he got this. And he picks up a calendar and he says it was open to April and the 30th is marked with a pentagram. Scully asks the significance of the 30th and Mulder tells her it's one of the four greater witches Sabbaths, also known as Rudmas. It's also the birth date of the first victim. He flips through the calendar and points out July 31st is also marked with a pentagram and is the Sabbath known as Lamas. 
It's also the birth date of the second victim. Mm. Scully thinks this means Waite was choosing victims based on their birth dates. But Mulder says no. Pentagrams are symbols of protection. Waite was trying to save those patients. She knew they were in danger. Scully guesses he thinks that's why she attacked Franklin. Mulder thinks Waite knew something about him and they should figure out what it is before Franklin returns to work. So she was a good witch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another little thing here. Like, I don't know if this is weird writing or if this is weird prop use or maybe a combination of both. So the calendar has a pentagram on it on the 30th. It also says Rudmus right underneath it. But then Mulder's like, according to that book over there, it's also called Rudmus. But he's holding the <laughs> calendar. It says Rudmus on it. Like, <laughs> it's right there. So also, yeah. I now want a witch's calendar. But... Yeah, that was just weird. I'm like, he's like, he's holding it. It says it. And he's like, and according to that book, it's also called rudeness. I'm like, according to this calendar, it's called rudeness. It's right there in front of you. What are you doing? But yeah. So I mean, that might have been just the script was written that way and the prop people like labeled it. And so yeah, that's why I don't know if it's script or if it's the props props. or a combination of the two. But yeah, but yeah, it's kind of silly. And obviously it's not a real calendar because the backs are all blank. So like if you were hanging it up, you have a blank page and then it would be the thing so it's not like a like a normal calendar so it's something they just manufactured because when you mm-hmm. look through the pages you can see the backs are all blank so but yeah i was just like it's, it's right there in your head. <laughs> <laughs> like it says it on the calendar you say, and you could say like and here it says rudeness and that book says that rudeness is one like you could do it that way but like yeah according to that book it's called rudeness it's like according to this calendar it's called rudeness what are you doing but yeah <laughs> i don't know just weird I probably started getting nitpicky because episode was bugging me. So. Yeah, I mean, this episode, <laughs> there's a lot to nitpick, so that's totally fair. Yeah. So then we see Franklin and Kaplan are scrubbing down, and Shannon walks in and tells them the FBI just called to ask about patients' birth dates. And they're on their way now. And Kaplan's like, I thought this was over. And he's like, you have a good thing going, and someone comes in and tries to take it away. And then he's like, oh. I guess that's why people become conservatives because you have something to conserve. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's why rich people are conservatives. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so Franklin struggles a little putting on his surgical robe and Kaplan's like, are you okay? And Franklin's like, I just didn't get as much sleep last night. And they're like, yeah, no shit. And he's like, but I'll be fine. And Kaplan hits the intercom and he's like, hey, push my surgery back a half hour. And then he tells Franklin he's going to take his chem peel and Franklin is going home. And Franklin's like, no, no, I'll be fine. And Kaplan's like, no, nah, man, you look like hell. And we can't afford any more mistakes right now. So he goes out. And then Franklin kind of has that little, like, everything is going according to plan. Look on his face when Kaplan leaves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So then Scully and Mulder are in a car. And Scully hangs up her phone. And she tells Mulder that Dr. Franklin left for the day. But he has a patient whose birthday corresponds with one of the Sabbaths. Mulder asks when the patient is scheduled, and Scully says this morning. She's already in pre-op. So in the OR, the patient is there, and she's asking if Franklin is okay. And Kaplan tells her he's just not feeling well. And she's like, oh, well, I suppose this is one of those procedures that all doctors can deal with. And she's nervous, and she's also, like, starting to fade from, like, anesthetics, I guess, or something. And says that Franklin told her chem pills are safe, almost risk-free. And then Kaplan picks up a big old bottle of phenol, and he's kind of sweaty. And then Mulder and Scully arrive at the hospital, and they ask a nurse for Dr. Shannon. 
And then they hear someone scream. And we see Dr. Shannon from around the corner. And she's the one who's screaming. And Mulder and Scully rush over. And the door to the ER is open. And the patient's face is melted off. Oh, And Kaplan is standing over her, sort of horrified, holding the big old bottle of phenol. I forgot about this till just now. So, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so just because... So phenol is also called carbolic acid. It's an aromatic organic compound with the molecular formula of C6H5OH. It's considered mildly acidic, but it can be very dangerous. And the hazards are not just that of like a corrosive because phenol also has anesthetic effect, which can cause severe burns that may not be immediately painful or visible because of the anesthetic effect. That said, it is commonly used as an antiseptic and concentrated liquid phenol can be used topically as a local anesthetic or as an alternative to general anesthesia or other local anesthetics. So it's hemostatic and it has anesthetic qualities, which make it ideal for that purpose because then you're kind of getting like two for one special. It's also an active ingredient in some oral analgesics like throat sprays for like when you have a sore throat. And mm-hmm. it's also used in many cosmetics. And then it's also like used like in industry a lot, just like for making plastics and stuff. So carbolic acid, phenol, would be used for deep chemical peels. And it's actually the only version that would use phenox. There's like light peels, medium peels, and deep peels. I went to the Mayo Clinic website. Anyway, so even though that would be a deep peel, you would not, like I said earlier, you would never be put completely under for a deep peel. The most that would ever happen would you be given a sedative or a painkiller on either a medium or a deep peel and then for a deep one, you would be given IVs because they have to do it like in, like I said, like for peels, they have to do it. This one, for this one, they would actually do it like in 15 minute increments. So it'd be okay. like a multi appointment procedure, but they would also apply it in short time so that it wouldn't do so much. So the scene is mostly correct. Like they're using the right stuff. They're not like using a laser pointer for laser surgery or anything. So that's good. But I think the results are a little exaggerated. I don't think it would melt your face off. It would cause like <laughs> chemical burns. Yes. And could could result in some permanent damage, but it wouldn't just like melt your face off. Because like her okay. nose is like totally gone. And, yeah. Like, oh, it's, all. yeah, it's yeah. bad looking. Yeah, so. there's like holes in her neck and stuff. And so it wouldn't be, it's not like hydrochloric acid or something. So especially if you just poured it on her like a lot of it would just run off right and so right because usually you have to apply it with something so it stays in contact with the skin so but yeah so for the most part correct but i had to check because i was like mm, <laughs> you know because the name was familiar and i was like would that be what they use for a chemical peel i don't think so so they don't <laughs> use it for the first two for the light and the medium those are some different kind of acidic things they use but for the deep one they do use phenol so gotcha doing that research it's good because i had no idea and i did not bother to look i was just like you melted face that did not end well for her that is probably not what she wanted curious individual i'm not saying you're not but i just yeah i am just about different things i think yeah (laughs) which is fine it's good we cover all our bases that way Mm -hmm. so shannon tells Mulder and scully that the asu which is their department of the hospital accounts for 50 percent of the hospital's revenue do they know what that means and Scully says that it means while other doctors' income has dropped, all of the ASU doctors have managed to become wealthy. I'm not, I'm mm, not, not I'm also not sure doctors' incomes have, I guess I don't know much about medicine in the 90s. Maybe doctors' incomes did drop. I'm sure that's not true yeah, now. Yeah. But anyway, Shannon says they fill a need. 
They didn't create it. Everyone wants to be beautiful. She says she's willing to accept responsibility for certain mistakes. And Mulder asks, like those patient deaths 10 years ago? Mm. Shannon says it was inconceivable that any of them could be capable of such gross negligence. And Scully's like, so you covered them up? Shannon says if they did, it was with the blessing of the hospital. They conducted the investigation. They'd become too valuable an asset, even at the cost of five lives. Ooh. And Mulder's kind of surprised. And he's like, there were five deaths. And Shannon says four patients. And the fifth was a surgeon who worked himself to death. He died of a drug overdose. Mulder asked his name. And Shannon says he was Dr. Clifford Cox. Mulder asked if they have a file on him. And Shannon's like, I don't know, probably on the computer. And Mulder says he's going to need that and the files on the four patients who died 10 years ago. And Scully asks what he's thinking. Mm. Then we see Mulder and Scully and they're standing behind Shannon who pulls up Cox's file on a computer. Mulder asks if she can put his photo in their cosmetic surgery software. Scully still isn't sure where Mulder is going. And Mulder says 10 years ago, four patients died. Their birth dates all match the witch's Sabbaths, except Dr. Cox. Scully says nothing about Dr. Cox's death matches up. It's just a coincidence. Mulder says, maybe, maybe not. Mm. So Shannon gets the software loaded with Cox's photo. And she says the computer will work a person's proportions to try and predict the desired result based on alterations. She runs the program on the photo to get a baseline ideal And then Mulder asks her to move the eyes further apart and strengthen the forehead. Shannon says that's beyond their surgical capabilities. He says he knows. But she types in the instructions into the program and then furrows her brow saying, I don't understand. And we see that Dr. Cox's photo now looks like Dr. Franklin. (gasps) I mean, it kind of did before they started, honestly, I thought. Yeah, it kind of did. Yeah. Mulder also does do the vanity of vanities quote here while they're talking. So mm-hmm. we get that reinforced again. And then meanwhile, we see Franklin and he's sweating and he's panting and he's carving something onto the floor with a dagger. <gasps> what could it be? Also, it's one of those wavy daggers that all the cool Satanists use for their sacrificial <laughs> ceremonies. So, yeah. yeah. And it's commercial. So then we come back and Scully and Shannon are in the hallway of the hospital and Scully asks where Franklin could be. And Shannon says she'll check the OR. And then as she leaves, Mulder arrives and Scully tells him Franklin is not answering his pages and calls to his home or going to the answering machine. And then she clarifies that Mulder believes that Cox killed those patients 10 years ago and then disappeared and became Dr. Franklin. So she's kind of, in case the audience wasn't putting those pieces together, she's just making sure you guys are following along. So mm-hmm. Mulder thinks he murders those patients so he could become Dr. Franklin. Ooh. Huh. Yeah. He hands her photos of Cox and Franklin. Mulder says he didn't use plastic surgery, but blood sacrificed to achieve it. So he's committed these murders to make himself beautiful, she asks incredulously. And Mulder says, Everybody wants to be beautiful, Scully. <laughs> so, yeah. Then we see Franklin, and he's in an OR suite, and he's collecting various tools from the surgical trays. I have a question about one of them that I will ask 
Tori in a minute. He takes the tools he's using and he puts them on a different tray. And then Shannon comes in and asks what he's doing. And he's like, glad you're here. And she's like, stay right where you are. And he looks at her and then like, as if by magic, the door <laughs> closes and she gets pushed against the wall and she gasps. And then the tools like whoop, disappear off the trays. And she's like, oh, and she falls to the ground. She's got blood coming out of her mouth. And then he bends down over her and says, I hope those instruments were properly sterilized. And he gives her a little kiss on the head and then he walks out. So oh. one of those tools is like a big metal dildo. I don't know if that was supposed to be for. I don't know what, you <laughs> for. I don't know what it was. But I it have was no like, idea because I did not recognize okay. most of those tools. I do not know. I mean, they were like some forceps and a scalpel. You like the normal yeah. kind of tools. But then one of them was a big metal dildo. I don't know what it was. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what it was. So I don't know what you Yeah, I'd have to go back and look, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if that was know. like for like rectal exam, pumping people's stomach. I have no idea. But was it the fat yeah. sucker thing, maybe? No, because that's thin. It's like a that's like a oh, thin okay. metal tube. Yeah. I mean, that's not this thing was this it was a big metal dick, is what it was. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. So anyway. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> so then Mulder and Scully arrive at Franklin's home and enter with their guns drawn. Mulder heads upstairs while Scully goes downstairs and looking around, but then Mulder calls for her, and he points out that there's a pentagram in the tile of the entryway visible from the staircase, and he comes downstairs, and he's like, this one is different. It's been inverted, and then, like the table, it's actually like part of the tile, like he was carving the pentagram, but what he did was on the point of the pentagram, he was carving names of all the patients that were killed, including Dr. Shannon. So then they both like jump up and like uh -oh. take off. So, yeah. I'm not sure how Mulder's like it's inverted because like it's on the floor. There's no visible orientation. Like it's a pentagram. Right. Like how would you know? It depends on where you're standing, whether it's inverted or not. I mean. Yeah. Because you know? the names aren't like all going the same direction. They're just like around in the circle. So I don't know. Also, like I don't know how you cannot, much like the table, I don't know how you could not see that pentagram when you walked in. Like it's in the tile, it's formed there. You would see it, but right. It's not like you would need to like in conduit. We need to go upstairs to see the picture from all the ones and zeros, right? It's like you could have seen it, but you're just standing on the floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe Mulder just doesn't notice pentagrams. <laughs> part I, of the well, I mean, decoration. he does though. That's the thing. I know. I know. I'm just yeah. It's not good. I just yeah. I was joking. Does he not notice them if they have lines? Like if they're actually pentagrams, you only notice them if they're he like. He only notices the dots. dots. He just sees. Or the maybe dots. he only notices malformed pentagrams. That's really the only <laughs> one he's picked out so far. So, well, no, he did pick out the ones on her stomach. And that one was a pretty well formed one. So, but yeah, I don't know. I don't either. I mean, those are technically pentagons, not pentagrams, because they weren't, the lines weren't connected. Right. But. So then we see Shannon is on a gurney being wheeled down the hall. And a doctor asks her what she swallowed, but she can't answer like she's trying to and it's nothing's coming out. And he says he's going to do an exploratory laparotomy and Shannon ekes out the words, please don't. The doctor orders they give her blood and get him a 16 gauge IV and open it wide. And she tells the anesthetician, no, please don't. But he puts the mask over her face. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Franklin stands in a mirror and he's using a scalpel to cut the skin at his forehead line. Oh. And Mulder and Scully walk into the hospital and Mulder asks the nurse where Dr. Shannon is, saying she was brought in as an emergency, but the nurse doesn't know. 
So they basically find her by looking through windows and Mulder tells Scully not to let them operate on her to hold off until she hears from him. And Scully's like, where are you going? Cause he's like running off and she's like calling after him. And he says, find Dr. Franklin. And he's like running off. And we see Franklin is busy peeling off his own face. Yeah. Is he going to choose Nicholas Cage or is he going to choose John Travolta? I don't know. I, I don't know. Good okay. question. We'll have to find out. So Scully bursts into the OR and tells them to stop the surgery now. And the doctor tells others to remove her, but she flashes her badge and she says she's a federal agent. And then she says she's a doctor. And another doctor comes in and tells her she's not allowed to interrupt the surgery in progress. The patient could die. And Scully's like, that's what I'm trying to prevent. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) Been a while since Scully barged into a medical room and said, I'm an FBI agent and a doctor and took over. It's true. It has been a while. We're just getting all we're getting all the beats. In this it's not movie. like she's unknown for, you know, she's never done that before. But this time it does yeah, seem a little almost bit. like someone watched X-Files and tried to put a little bit of every episode into a script. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So <laughs> Mulder heads down the hall of the ASU. He studies the monitors over the OR rooms and then goes inside one. And he sees a bloody scalpel is sitting on the edge of a tray. And Mulder finds Franklin's peeled face on another tray on the floor. Mm. Kind of like. Yeah, it's pretty gross, actually. Yeah, it's just peeled off face. So Mulder bursts into Shannon's OR room, which, I mean, none of this is sterile, guys. I don't know what you're doing. But he asks what happened. And Scully says they just saved her life. They pulled a host of surgical instruments out of her intestinal tract. And Mulder says, then it failed. Then an alarm sounds in the hall. Woo, woo, woo. And Mulder and Scully run into a room, and there's a woman on a gurney with a bloody hole in her belly. Probably like she was pregnant, maybe. Used to be. So, like, probably some, like, humanoid from the deep, like, erupted from her stomach and skittered away. We don't know. Anyway, a nurse cries and is like, I tried to stop him. And then the woman whose belly was ripped open starts to crash. And so all her signals and people are like, oh, my God, code this, code that, everything. She's got all the codes. And Mulder asks when the patient's birthday is. And Scully grabs the chart. It says October 31st, Halloween. And then Mulder says, and Sam Hain, the fourth witch's Sabbath. And Mulder obviously pronounces Salwin incorrectly because it's not Sam Hain, it's Salwin. Admittedly, I only recently learned that like last month, how you pronounce <laughs> it correctly, because it is spelled like Sam Hain. Uh-huh. I think I previously said it incorrectly on probably either one of these podcasts or one of our Patreon episodes. And I blame the real Ghostbusters for that. So I, I also blame the real Ghostbusters because I've also yeah. always called it Sam Hain. And I think I have heard before that that's not correct, but it's yeah. never really penetrated my brain. And so I think I have always just said it wrong. Yeah, it's Salwin. Yep. But no shame, Mulder or writers or directors or whatever, because, you know, hey, you probably watched the real Ghostbusters, too. Mm-hmm. Got bad information. So we should really blame <laughs> the writers of real Ghostbusters. So. <laughs> Yes, it's their fault that we all pronounce it wrong. Yep. So we see a fancy sports car pull up to City of Angels Medical Center and a man gets out. And in an office, a woman says, I can't tell you how happy we are that you decided to join us, Dr. Hartman. He replies that he likes what he's seen so far, and he's always been drawn to Los Angeles. The woman, Dr. Sanford, says with his credentials, she's sure he had plenty of options. She's reviewed his patient portfolio, and his work is among the most impressive she's ever seen. He says he likes to say, whoever God didn't get around to creating in his own image, it's our job to create in ours. And then he smiles. 
the and end. That's the end. That's the end. That's the end. So Franklin got away, is now Dr. Hartman, and is going to be working in Los Angeles. This could just be some random scene that we're seeing for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this episode was written by Valerie and Vivian Mayhew. They are sisters. When I first heard sisters. about when I first heard about them, I heard that they went on to do a lot of stuff on Charmed, and I thought they had like a really huge part of that show. I never really got into Charmed. I've seen random episodes, but I've never been like super into it. Not for any particular reason. It just never caught my fancy, I guess. It was nothing I ever really watched. But I looked them up, and they will go on to produce 13 episodes of the show and also write two. So they didn't have as big of a part on it as I thought that they did. I thought they had like a really big hand in it. They haven't done a whole lot else. They have, I mean, they've done a lot of producing and they've written a handful of things. So nothing super amazing. Witchy things? I mean, Charmed is pretty witchy. So, well, yeah. I mean, aside from that, I, yeah, I don't remember what else they I pretty much only know lot. about Charmed. I mean, I remember the show, but like, I only know most of what I know about it is because of memes and gifts. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I like to look and try and find out what a meme or gif is from before I use it, just in case it's not cool so yeah (laughs) it's probably smart i don't do that as often as i should but yeah Yeah. and then emily st james formerly known as emily vanderwerf for the av club wrote of sanguinarium that it feels like somebody's spec script of the x-files that just happened to be accidentally produced she says the voices for the characters are too flat and on point the scares are both predictable and too obviously edgy like a guy peels his face off with a fork that's dr franklin she also yeah, says I mean, it's sto- not really a fork. It's a surgical tool. But- yeah, it's a surgical tool. But I mean, it's, it's you know, edgy yeah, and whatever. Still, I know, but it's just kind of. Yeah. And she says the story doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes way more of paranormal stuff than the show often did at this point. Worst of all, the dialogue is just ludicrously bad. Everything is turned up to 11, where the show usually leaves things at about a seven or an eight. And I I read her whole essay on this episode and I pretty much agree with all of it. Like Mulder and Scully feel kind of out of character. They feel like they're both pushed to extremes of what we know them to be, right? Like Scully's got to doubt everything. Mulder's got to believe everything. And it's just without a lot of reasoning behind it. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a lot like Nick was saying earlier that someone watched a lot of X-Files and just threw stuff in. They did use the script to get jobs on Charmed. And, you know, I mean, that's cool. It just, it really does feel like someone was like, hmm, let me take pieces of this. Let me take pieces of this. Let me write a witchcraft story. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And we should probably clarify sometimes. I mean, one, Emily St. James, she's just going by a different name now. So now she's going by Emily St. James, not Vanderwerf. So if you buy the books, you know, AV Club is updating it in uh, one of our Patreon episodes recently tori and i were trying to figure out if it was the same person or not and we were kind of thinking like maybe it is and they just changed their name i looked and it is she just she's going by saint james now so also tori will often reference the av club i will often reference the book monsters of the week they are basically the same thing because emily and zach hanlon wrote for the av club about the x-files and millennium and then they put out a book called monsters of the week that's all about x-files oh they don't have any millennium stuff in that book which i think is interesting they're basically the same thing they basically just took their articles and put them mm-hmm. in format so they compiled their reviews into a book which is fine yeah. there's nothing wrong with doing yeah. that so basically no, but just sometimes you're reading like, you'll, book. Re- 
But like if she if Tori's referring to one thing and I'm referring to something else, realize that we're basically referring to the same content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's pretty much yeah. the same thing. So yeah. I'm just I don't have the book. So yeah, know, I have the book. Like... Tori doesn't have the book, even though Tori is a big fan. She doesn't have the book. I have a lot of X Files <laughs> books. Okay. I know. When we started the podcast, I went out and bought a gazillion books. Is what happened. Yeah, so. and I've bought a couple since we started the podcast too, but I have not bought all of them. I have bought the really yeah. big big coffee table books so yeah but just for clarity because we i do try and make sure that we put our references in the show notes i will just link to the book i don't know maybe i should start linking to the av club because people can actually read it they're going to buy the book i don't know but i usually just link to the book because they're the mm-hmm. same thing so yeah yeah so just for clarity yes and that's how we know that she changed her name because i was like looking at the article and i was like Oh, Emily St. James. That's weird. Is there another Emily who's going back and forth with them doing these reviews? And then we figured out it's the same person. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think we did everything we need to do for this episode. Except for yeah, it, we don't need to drag it out. I didn't really like this one. I didn't hate it. There were a couple good moments. I agree. The joke about the broom was funny. There mm-hmm. were a couple interactions that weren't. It wasn't like all terrible. It just felt very like. Like she says, it was dialed up to 11 and it didn't really feel like it needed to be like the episode. I don't even didn't know have... that it was dialed up to 11. Honestly, I think it was just media across the board dialed up to 11 in terms of just like, here's the magic and whatever. I don't know. It wasn't yeah. either way. It wasn't great. A lot of it, if you think about it for a super long time, doesn't make sense. Like it starts to fall apart a little bit. Yeah, I did have a question. I guess I I guess I lied because I guess I do have something else to say. I don't understand. Because, okay, so we got we got the pentagram as keeps showing up, right? And then we had four deaths previously, and then the death of Dr. Cox, which actually wasn't really a death. Obviously, he's a disappearance, not a death. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, when we add in the last person, that is also four deaths, I believe, right? Because we had we had the liposuction, we had the laser face, we had the burning face, and then we have the lady whose belly got ripped open, right? So those are our four, because <laughs> Dr. Shannon lives. But he carves Dr. Shannon's name in the pentagram. Like, she was supposed to be... So, like, because she lived, he had to do something else. Although, if we're doing the birthday thing, does Dr. Shannon have the same birthday? Like, I don't understand. And also, like, four. So, like, is he one point, but he doesn't have to actually die for the magic? I don't I don't understand how the magic is working, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so, I don't get it either. And if pentagrams are meant to protect, why is he also using a pentagram? Well, because it's an inverted pentagram. <laughs> The and just horns. like if Throwing nurse Wade knew what he was doing like if she was there the first time he did it i just i don't know just and, call the police and why would you go back to the same hospital if you could just move to a different city i don't know the whole thing is just really a vigilante witch fighting crime and oh, if great. shannon so. and the others aren't in on it why do they have that pentagram table well maybe that's just maybe it's just like i said it's just a table it just happens to be a pentagram so i mean you yeah know, maybe they don't yeah. Maybe they don't think of it. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is just, yeah, it's weird. It's not that good. Definitely not my favorite. I'm trying to think what to rate it. That's trust your feelings, Tori. Like, I don't know. Is it egregiously bad or is it just unpleasant? Well, you gave you gave home a four and you gave Taliko a three. Those are your lowest ratings so far. I know. I'm just debating. I think this one is a three. 
Okay. Because I, well, do I like it less than home? Not really. I guess it's a four. Four. Okay. I guess it's a four. I mean, home could probably be a three, too. So maybe I should just knock them all down, but I'll just give it a four for now and oh, we'll see what happens. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I am going to give it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mm. okay. The broom. I'm going to give it a three. I'm, okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go counter to something I either said last episode or something I said I want to read Patreon because obviously they're all running together now. I can't keep track of what I say on what podcast anymore. But I am going to use a small piece of an episode to affect my rating, and so I'm going to give it a three. Yeah, I mean, I think that that interaction also bumps it up. And also just like there's a gif of Scully rolling her eyes from this episode that I really like. So <laughs> thank okay. you for that. I, I guess. happen to like in your summary, <laughs> you said Mulder smiles at one point when she's asking him like, you know, something. He actually kind of does a little like eh, he kind of like does like a wincy like mm, face. It's, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a smile, too. And so I like that face. So. Yeah, yeah. There are some good moments. I think the moments come from the acting and the directing. I don't think they come from the writing as much. But like the thing, I mean, obviously the broom thing was written, but like I think some of their like how they do it, like Scully's little hesitation with the pentagram thing. Like I think yeah. that. Well, we know that that obviously was a written piece because it had to be set up, right? Yeah, but I mean, how they. But did we it. don't know that it was in the original script. Yeah, it could have been true. added by one of the other script editors. We don't know. So yeah, I don't want to take away from people, but I also don't want to give people credit if I think. Well, and the thing is, that was the thing that Emily St. James was saying is that it felt like this was a spec script and nobody really looked it over and did much to it. Like it wasn't like some of them, they get them and then they kind of work them up a little and maybe change things and punch things up. And this felt like they just found it. Your your boy Vince Gilligan was a story editor on this episode. I know. And he's usually... Maybe he added some of the better. Maybe he added the broom. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. And, you know, I don't know that they're bad writers. Again, I haven't really watched Charm, so I haven't really seen. Well, like you said, they only wrote two episodes anyway, so it doesn't really. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, maybe they or maybe they got a lot better. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they've done a whole lot, to be honest. So I don't know. But either way, not my favorite. Three and a four. Yep. There it is. That was Sanguinarium. Boom. Thanks for so listening. Far this season is the lowest rated season on I Want yeah, to Watch well, Files podcast. I mean, we are only six episodes in. Yeah. But. And I was telling you, I think this season has a really rough start and it does like have some peaks and valleys there at the beginning, but it's, yeah, it's a rough start. <laughs> I mean, it's I maybe still had in a that. Peak. Oh, but, yeah, yeah mean, you like hair and Volk. I didn't really like hair and Volk. So yeah, if you count hair and Volk, that's two peaks for you. For me, it's just one peak. Yeah, so, rough start, rough start. Yeah. So I, yeah, <laughs> we'll see where it goes. We will next week. I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and edited by Lazy M Productions. That's right. We made this. We also make a Patreon-only X-Files adjacent podcast that you may have heard me talk about several times. You should check it out. Use the link tree in the show notes. But whatever you do, be sure to join us next time for the X-Files Season 4, Episode 7, Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man. And together, we'll try to figure out if If the the truth truth is still out there. there.
sorry and and says more words <laughs> yeah well she says more stuff i know like, she keeps she, chanting she, i know it's just a, it's funny that was just, just funny the way you said it yeah she chants more words <laughs> i don't know maybe it's a spell or something <laughs> so there's her naked lady yeah uh, <laughs> I was going to say something, but I was like, nah, Nick, calm down with the naked ladies. <laughs> I mean, we won't see her from the back. Yeah, it's true. We, we don't see anything. Yeah. 